Well, praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to our continuing overview of the book of Revelation. Praise God. It's been exciting so far as we see how God had um, brought many things out in the first few chapters that we have already discussed. And today, uh, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 5. Now, again, I will say because uh, many people might not have joined us in the first studies or whatever the case might be, that the, the, this material is so voluminous, it is so detailed, and there are many different things that we could look at and themes that we could develop as we go through the book of Revelation. That's why I have been encouraging all of you to take the time to do a study on the book of Revelation. Man, we're promised a blessing if we read, hear, and keep the words found in this prophecy. Praise God. And so it would behoove all of us to study deeper than we are able to go in the time frame that we have here uh, on this broadcast. I also made mention that while we are basically in this study we are simply reading the book of Revelation together, you and me, and we are kind of outlining it for you a little bit. And then also we are giving nuggets as we go through the readings. And um, so it's, it's a basic course, I guess you could say, in the book of Revelation. But it would definitely be a benefit to you if you were to go deeper with it. And then from time to time, we are going to have single studies that will take a section and do a deeper and more detailed study of that section. So I pray that uh, you will be with us for many, many months to come as we uh, look at Bible prophecy and end time events and what the Bible says about them. You see, you get into dangerous positions when you try to take today's headlines and make them fit a prophecy. Now, I'm not saying that today's headlines do not fit prophecies, but we want to let God have the final word on these things. And uh, so we want to keep that in mind as we correlate current events with Bible prophecy. Today in the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation, uh, this is a great worship chapter. Actually, both chapters 4 and 5 uh, deal with, uh, first of all, you have the rapture in, in chapter 4, verse 1, and then you have the great multitudes in heaven, and you have the scene unfold, how beautiful heaven will be. So let's begin reading together today in Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. So this book was in the hand of God. And he was ready to give it to anyone who could be found worthy to open it. Think of such 
the book was sealed and actually it was a scroll that had seven seals as each seal was opened the contents beneath it would be obvious we see here a strong angel that's the terminology used this is the first mention of angel in the book of Revelation because the angels in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 the word messenger it was really talking about the pastors to the pastor of the church at Ephesus to the pastor of the church of Smyrna etc and so forth the strong angels proclaiming with a loud voice heaven's gonna be a noisy place who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof hallelujah the cherubim are not angels they are living creatures but here an angel is speaking no man in heaven or on earth or anywhere was qualified to open that book as John looked at this situation and this is a future event okay John was looking at it in his day but this hasn't happened yet the Bible says he wept much it was it was suspenseful it was anxious great anxiety as no one could be found worthy to open this scroll let's keep reading uh, in Revelation 5 verses 5 through 7 and one of the elders saith unto me weep not behold or look behold the lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David glory to God we know who that is don't we hallelujah Jesus hath prevailed to open the book. And we're going to look at that word prevailed in just a moment. And to loose the seven seals thereof, and I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God set forth into all the earth. Now let's look at those things for just a moment. Does Jesus have seven horns? No. So this is a symbol. And horns is a symbol of power and authority. So basically the number seven is the number of completeness. So you could say from this symbol in the book of Revelation that Jesus has been given by the Father all authority and all power. The next seven that we see here is we see seven eyes. Does that mean that Jesus is standing there and on his face is seven eyes? No. Again, seven, the number of perfection, the number of completion, the number of totality, eyes referring to vision so we can see that Jesus knows everything and he sees all okay and the final seven that's there is the seven spirits of God are there seven Holy Spirits no but the Holy Spirit is all-knowing all-powerful all the Holy Spirit is all-inclusive and it shows them here in his fullness and the final part of the verse says, And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon 
the throne. So in all of this great search through heaven to find one who was worthy to open the scrolls and unleash its seals or loosen its seals. And in a maddening search through heaven that not maddening to the heavenly beings, but John, no doubt filled with anxiety as he looked upon this scene. Who are they going to get? No one can do it. All of a sudden, he sees the Lamb of God. First of all, he's referred to, Jesus in that passage is referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And secondly, he's the Lamb of God. And we talked about that a little bit in another lesson, so we will not repeat it today. But those are both pictures of Jesus Christ. John's agony and suspense were relieved at the words of the elder and by the appearance of a lamb that had been slain. The elders told John not to weep anymore. Jesus is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah as a fulfillment of many prophecies. I'm going to give you three of them that you can look up. Genesis chapter 49, verses 9 and 10. Numbers chapter 24, verses 17 through 19. And Micah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. He's also called the root of David, according to many other prophecies. So look up 2 Samuel 7, verses 8 through 17. Psalm 89, verses 35 through 37. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, and Jeremiah 23, verses 5 through 6. It's Jesus that has prevailed, and Jesus that is worthy to open the book and to loose the seven seals. The word prevail is from the Greek word nikeo. Nikeo. And it's translated most purely as overcome. That's the same word overcome used in the message to the churches in Revelation chapter 2 verse 3. So John is expecting to see a kingly and ferocious lion. Instead, he observes a small lamb. And the Greek word for lamb is arnion. Arnion. And this lamb is obviously alive, but the word refers to a small lamb, a little lamb, a lambkin, a young lamb, a young lamb, a lambkin, a baby lamb. So Jesus has been dead, but now he is alive. The lamb has already overcome. The lamb has already finished his redemptive work, and he is now worthy to take this book of future things that is shortly to come to pass. And remember we told you that shortly means, obviously it's been 2,000 years and it's still not here, but once it's opened, once this event we just read about in Revelation chapter 5, once it takes place in heaven, then these things are going to happen quickly. That's what that phrase, shortly come to pass, means in the original Greek. So once they begin, man, they're going to happen with breathtaking rapidity in the earth. Praise be to God. Jesus is coming soon. How many knows that today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Seals are loosed, and what is written in this book of future events will be revealed. Contents of this book in, in Revelation 5 
are things which will transpire after the rapture and during the time of the great tribulation. The number seven, we talked about it, used uh, several times in this portion of scripture. A scripture, seven seals, seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits of God. Uh, there's only one Holy Spirit, so we understand the number seven is the number of perfection and completion. It speaks of the fullness of powers and thorough watchfulness. That's the eyes. And the horns are symbol of power and authority. Eyes signify insight, comprehension, and watchfulness. So the complete anointing and power of the Holy Spirit is upon Jesus Christ and His redemptive work. And you know that's the reason for this great worship? That's the reason for this great worship written in Revelation chapter 5. It's the reason for our worship today. I want to say some things that you'll have to hear me through. But worship is more than just an emotional release for the believer. Worship is more than just so the believer can have a happy feeling. And don't misunderstand me, when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ, we will have an emotional release and we will have happy feelings. Praise God! Worship is exhilarating, but worship is more than exhilaration. The reason for our worship... And the reason for the worship we read about in Revelation 5, the worship of Jesus Christ, is because He is worthy. And why is He worthy? Jesus is worthy because He went to the cross. He lived a life without sinning. He never sinned, not one single time. And all of the great works that He did... All of the miracles and all of the sayings that we live by. But the reason that we worship Jesus Christ is because He went to the cross as God's perfect sacrifice and He gave His life for our sins. He took our place. He took our punishment. He took the wrath of God upon Himself in our place that we might have eternal life if we will believe in Him. If we will put our faith in Him and keep it there. Hallelujah to God. That's the reason that we worship. Now the book that was held by God and eventually given to the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not the book of redemption as some people think. In the book of redemption, or the Lamb's book of life, it's, it could be called. All the names of the redeemed are written down. Um, there's no such thing as that mentioned in this scripture. This book speaks of the judgments that are to come when the seals are loosed. And the seals will produce, the, the final seal produces a new set of judgments, as we shall see when we get to Revelation chapter 6. Everything in this book, as well as everything in chapter 4 of Revelation, must be after the rapture of the church. And that brings us to the universal worship of God and of the Lamb in Revelation chapter 5, uh, verses 8 through 14. So let's read that together. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps 
and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Now, I want to stop right there. Let me get a pen and mark my spot. Uh, because today, uh, in some contemporary churches, we have a lot of times seen where people are, you know, they're, they're using incense bowls during the worship service, and they're doing all of this kind of thing, and they, you know, they've got all kinds of different theologies that have been born out of passages like this that I'm reading right here, but all of that has no relevance to these passages whatsoever. We do not need to burn incense in our churches. It gets us no closer to God. It gets our prayers no closer to God. You see, you have to remember that all of this is hinged in justification by faith. And if justification is by faith, then everything else is by faith as well. And faith will always produce obedience. But God doesn't need us to mirror some scene here as if we were causing prayers to rise higher or whatever. It's the same business with these folks that get in helicopters or airplanes and they fly all around the world pulling down strongholds and they think they have to be in that airplane to do that. You know, That is absolute foolishness and there's no scriptural precedence for any of it. All right? I want to say that. Now this is a beautiful picture of the scene in heaven and yes... The Old Testament priest in the tabernacle and in the temple, they used incenses and, and things of this nature. Beautiful types of Christ. But you have to understand, and we've got to get this understanding deep within our spirits, that in Christ we have it all. We don't need the picture anymore. The reality is here. And that's Jesus Christ. So it's what the incense pictures that we want to learn about. Okay? So I wanted to put that in there so that it might bring some help and some clarity uh, on the subject. <clears throat> and they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by thy blood. And I love this next part. Out of end every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation. Hallelujah. This is the universal church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the church triumphant. Hallelujah. That's what you and I belong to. That's what you and I are a part of. You know, there, there's something in us that we all want to belong to something that's bigger than, than we are, bigger than ourselves. Well, it's the church of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Hallelujah to God forever. It says, And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I'm going to stop right there again. What did a king do? A king rule. A king was there engaged in the business of enforcing his kingdom. We are under kings, actually. Jesus is the king of kings. What is, you know, king of kings. And of course, it means he's king over every king on planet earth that has ever been. Jesus is way more king than they are, to put that in that vernacular. But it also means king of kings, that he is king. He is our king. Because he has, he has made us. We have not made ourselves. But he has made us kings and priests unto God. So when the scripture says he is king of kings, 
He's king over us. He's king over me. He's king over you if you're a born-again child of God today. And we are here, we are about the business of enforcing His kingdom. Not our kingdom. But we are enforcing His kingdom. What do you, what do you mean by enforcing? He gives us detailed pictures in the Gospels. He said, go forth, lay hands on the sick. Pray for people. Cast out devils, etc. and so forth. Preach the Gospel. All of these things are a part of enforcing His kingdom. And here's the thing about that kingdom. That kingdom is here in the hearts of believers and shall be here when Jesus comes back. But the enforcement of it begins with you and with me. Also, it says he made his priest unto God. Now, what did the priest do? <clears throat> and I'm not referring to priest today. Because in reality, there are no priests today. Of the people that call themselves priests, it's really an unscriptural title. Because the fivefold ministry gifts are given in the book of Ephesians for us, and, and priest is not in there. So when I, when I say priest, we have to go back to the Old Testament priesthood. What did they do? First thing, everything about them, everything about the clothes they wore, everything about the way they were to conduct themselves, everything about uh, the sacrifices they were to offer and the way that they were to do it, step by step, given in the law of Moses, everything about the priest was a picture, a type, a shadow of Jesus Christ. That tells us something right there. We cannot truly say that we are kings and priests unto God and the, on the priest part if we are not allowing the Holy Spirit to conform us into the image of Christ. Because when people look at us, we should be a reflection of Jesus for them to see. And that's a process, but at the same time, you should be somewhere in that process. And, 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 and we could go into that for a very long time, but we're studying Revelation right now. But let me mention the importance to you of obedience to the Word of God, obedience to the Holy Spirit's promptings, and obedience will produce that mirror look of Jesus in your life. And so for some people it happens real fast. Other people it happens real slow. I'm one that's on the slow end. It takes God a long time to get things through to some of us. But the priest of the Old Covenant, I mean, every detail, even of their clothing, was a picture of Christ. It was, a, it, was a, it was a type and a shadow of some part of Jesus' redeeming, mediatorial, intercessory work on behalf of us. That's why we study those things. That's why we study the five offerings of Leviticus. That's why we study the temple. That's why we study the tabernacle and the priesthood and all of these things not so that we can go do that exact same thing, but we study it so we can see something of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in the inner workings of all of those particulars. You see, 
We are to be kings and priests unto God. And we shall, it goes on to say, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, and thousands of thousands. And in the Hebrews, it's Kiliads and Kiliads, and myriads and myriads. Kiliads and Kiliads, and, and, another, and what it means is a number that no man can number or count. And what were they doing? Oh, hallelujah. This great vast multitude, hallelujah, sang with a loud voice. Now here we go into a worship service in heaven. <laughs> hallelujah. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing in every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And remember that word. It means a young baby bleeding lambkin. Hallelujah. Symbolizing innocence. I, 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 I didn't touch on that when we looked at the word which was arneon in the Greek. And it's a young baby lambkin. It symbolizes innocence. Jesus was innocent. Jesus was innocent. Jesus did not deserve to suffer the way that He did. He did not deserve to be beaten and mocked and spit upon. Jesus went about doing nothing but good and proclaiming the love of His Father. Jesus was the holiest man that the world had ever seen in all of its history. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice living a life without sin. He was innocent and He took the place of all of us who are guilty. And that's the message of the Gospel in a nutshell. Hallelujah. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped Him that lives forever and forever. We see in verse 10 in this passage some of the privileges and the responsibilities that we will share during the millennial reign of Jesus upon the earth, and all of us saints will be there. Amen. Hallelujah to God. There are some impressions of what Scripture seems to indicate that these Kiliads and Kiliads and myriads and myriads that are worshiping on that day, which remember this is yet future, that this goes on and on and on without number. And you also need to remember always as we read these things that there is no time in heaven. Now I don't know if God has a measurement for time, but I do know that time means nothing in that realm. There were multitudes. 
Heaven's not a small place. Heaven's a grand and gigantic expanse. Imagine the praise and the worship welling forth from this tremendously vast multitude. And it should make us want to worship God. We should be so far beyond in our Christian walks. We should be so far beyond wanting to go to church and be entertained. We should be so far, far beyond wanting to go there and clap for the performer. We should be so far beyond trying to pick and choose our favorite musicians, our favorite preachers, our favorite this and that. It's not about us. The worship belongs to Jesus alone because Jesus alone is worthy. And I don't care who's standing up there in that church service on that stage. If they are extolling the virtues of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world, then I can get in that place with that person and worship my Jesus. If they are up there extolling the virtues of self or the, the virtues of, of worldliness or the virtues of anything other than Jesus, then I want no part of it. I want no part of it. We are coming down to the final days of human history where these events that we're reading about in our study of the book of Revelation will begin to take place. And remember that phrase, shortly come to pass. And, and always remember that, connect it this way. Once they begin, they will happen fast. And you may not have time beyond this moment to get it right with God. And He alone is worthy to be worshipped and to be praised. And so as we close our study on chapter 5 of the book of Revelation, let me begin that right in our next lesson in chapter 6, we're going to begin to see what was in those seals that the Lamb was found worthy to open. Okay? Now up to now... We have progressed somewhat chronologically. We have progressed somewhat uh, in order. But coming up into the Great Tribulation chapters, Revelation 6 through 19, basically, uh, we're going to see some parenthetical passages, which mean uh, what a parenthetical passage is, and I'll, I'll explain it again when we get there, so I'll briefly say it now. You know, the events are tooling along, and then all of a sudden it's lifted out. And what's being described in the parenthetical passage is taking place at the same time as the timeline of events. Okay? So we'll deal with that in more detail when we get to it. I think one of our first parentheticals is chapter 7, uh, if my memory serves me correct. And what I want to do in studying, uh, uh, finishing our study here on Revelation chapter 5, I want to read Isaiah chapter 53. Because this was the Messianic pro uh, prophecy of Isaiah. And this is the reason that Jesus is worthy. 
And I've already told you because he went to the cross and he shed his blood for the sins of the world. But let's read this passage together. And uh, these aren't so much sermons as they are uh, Bible studies. And so we're, it's a little different format from what many of you are used to. But uh, we are looking so much forward to going through the rest of this great book in the Bible with you. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before his shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many. For he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. And he shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his soul unto death. And he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. What a powerful portion of Scripture, a powerful prophecy from the prophet Isaiah, as he shows us what our Jesus has done for us. That prophetic portion of Scripture ties in together all of Jesus' redemptive work, His, His kingly, His priestly, His mediatorial, His intercessory, all of it, His prophetic, 
As he saw his seed, do you realize that when Jesus hung on that cross, he didn't just see the people that he knew there in Jerusalem, but he looked down in the Spirit and he saw you and he saw me. He said, I will die for them. For they are fallen and they have sinned and they have played the fool, but I will die for them. And if anyone is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink, Jesus said of that living water of eternal life. Hallelujah. Paid for by the blood of the Lamb. The innocent paid for the guilty. And what a beautiful Jesus He is. That's why He's worthy. That's why He's worthy. That's why He is worthy to open the seals that we are about to read about in our next lesson. Heavenly Father, thank You. Thank You today for this time with the people and thank You today for this glimpse into the spirit realm as we've looked at Revelation chapter 5. Oh God, thank You that we are able to worship You in Your presence without fear because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And the fear that we do have, oh God, is a reverent awe of this great gospel, of, of your great love, and, and we worship you. We thank you, Jesus. Now open our hearts to what you have brought out here today through your word. Open our hearts to grasp it, to receive it. Let it change our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody would say amen and amen. So don't fail to be with us for the next lesson. Hallelujah. Revelation chapter 6. It will show us what takes place as Jesus, the one found worthy, opens the seals of the scroll in God's hand. You remember it said he went up and he took that scroll out of the hand of God. And now he's going to open the seals and the, the picture of that is in Revelation chapter 6. And you won't want to miss it. This is Brother Paxton saying, go with God. And He will go with you. Bye now.